0: Good morning. Welcome to Sunday morning with Love and Action. I am Ken Tuck. Thank you for joining me today. Hope everybody's having a good Sunday. We are motoring through January. We are at the end of January, soon to be going into February. This year's already off to a fast start. And I want to ask you, how is your year going so far? Are you reading your, your Bible? Are you praying? Are you sharing Jesus with others? Well, today I want to encourage you about being a disciple of Jesus, and we're going to talk about some things like what's keeping you from being a disciple and some tips and ideas on becoming a disciple or becoming a stronger disciple of Jesus and making disciples of others as he commands us in his great commission. But before we get into all of that, let's go to our Abba Father in prayer. Father, we praise you for another day. Father, you blessed us truly with an opportunity to see another day that you have made, and we will be glad and rejoice in it. Father, we thank you for just pouring out your great love upon our lives. We thank you for the salvation that you have offered each and every person through your son, Jesus Christ. And I pray that everyone listening today who has not made that decision will today and give their lives to you and receive your gift of salvation, Jesus, forgiveness of sin and eternal life with you. Father, ask you as we open your word this morning that you will show us what you want us to see today. Give me the words to say. Holy Spirit, teach us and help us to be intentional, to be doers of your word and not hearers only. For Father, when we apply your word to our lives, that's when we see amazing things take place. And, God, that's when we are starting to draw closer and closer to you and just praise you because you tell us as we draw close to you, you draw close to us. And, God, I need more of you in my life. We all need more of you in our lives. So, Father, we give you this time. Again, we thank you for it. Thank you for the Joy FM. Just pray your continued blessings, guidance, and direction for this wonderful ministry, Lord. And, Father, again, just lift up everybody who's listening. Each and every need represented we put in your hands. And it's in your awesome and matchless name, Jesus, that we pray. Amen. So let me ask you a question as we start out. What's keeping you from totally living for the Lord Jesus Christ? Many times we say, yes, I'm a believer. I'm a Christian. But then we don't do anything with our lives. We just profess it, and then we do other things. And there's really, if somebody looked at us and didn't hear us say that we're a Christian by the way we lived our lives, they wouldn't know that. And I'm not necessarily saying living a bad life, you know, being drunk and on drugs and all that kind of stuff. I'm just saying, are we talking about Jesus? If they never hear us talk about Jesus, never hear us talk about our church or what God is doing in our church, they never see us doing anything with our lives, such as acts of mercies, which we talked about last week. But we're just going through the motions of life like everybody else is. And as a believer in Jesus Christ, That's not how we're to live this life. We don't just go through the motions. We don't go through the motions of this world. We don't go through religious motions. We go through this life living for Jesus and proclaiming his gospel, showing others his love and proclaiming and making disciples, as he tells us to in Matthew chapter 28. So think about that. What is keeping you from totally living for Jesus? Is it maybe a situation or circumstance that you're in right now? I was talking to a group of Houston County work-release guys just a couple of weeks ago, and I told them that's not an excuse just because you're in work-release or if somebody's incarcerated or whatever your situation may be. There's no excuse. That, that doesn't fly. Look at the Apostle Paul. He was in prison when he wrote Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians, and Philemon, all from prison. So even his situation, his circumstance didn't stop him. Maybe you are in a job of very prestigious and you're afraid if you start showing Christianity that may mess things up. Well, if it does, then you don't need that job anyway, because nothing should stop you from living for Jesus. Maybe you're out of work or you're in a job and you think you could be better, have a better position. And so that's why you're not living for Jesus. That's not a good excuse either. And to be truthful, there are no good excuses And so I want to encourage you this morning to think about what's holding you back, and nothing should. Your background shouldn't stop you. Whatever your family history or your own personal history is, that's not an excuse not to be living for Jesus. Look at Paul again. He persecuted the church. He approved the martyr, the killing of Stephen. He arrested people, through him in jail because they loved Jesus and served Jesus. That's not a very good background if you want to look at it that way. But when he encountered Jesus, that didn't matter anymore. All that mattered was living for Jesus and telling others about him and making disciples. So if we have a background that we're ashamed of, that still shouldn't stop us from living for Jesus. Yet think about Peter. Peter denied Jesus three times, and it was in a moment where Jesus needed his friends with him. He needed his best friend with him, but Peter denied him. But do you remember when Jesus restored him, and Peter was out in the boat, and they said, look, there's Jesus up on the shore. Peter jumped out of the boat, and he ran, he swam, however he made it out of that water to Jesus. And Jesus showed his love and his compassion, his grace and his mercy upon Peter. And so Peter didn't use that as an excuse not to live for him. How about Mary Magdalene? You remember Jesus cast seven demons out of her and many believe she was a prostitute. So there would have been a good excuse to say, no, I can't live for Jesus because I used to to prostitute or I had all these demons and and, uh, I'm kind of ashamed to be out there. She didn't use that as an excuse. When she encountered Jesus, those demons were gone. Her lifestyle, her old lifestyle was gone, and she lived for Jesus. And there would have been plenty of room for shame and excuses, but she kept going. She didn't slide back into that lifestyle, which would have been easy to do. She kept living for Jesus. So all three of those examples right there, from Paul to Peter to Mary Magdalene, they did not make excuses, and they went on to live full lives for Jesus and why because they truly had an experience with jesus christ they wanted more of jesus in their lives and they were disciples of jesus and made other disciples so when we start living for jesus then that just takes over our whole lives and it doesn't mean well you're going to be in the ministry full-time you may be but there was 22 years that i was not full-time ministry i was a journalist. I was an editor of newspapers. My wife was in the medical field, and she was not a full-time minister. But you know what? We live for Jesus in those jobs. So wherever God has you, you can live totally for Jesus right where you're at. Waiting tables, being a cashier at Walmart, being a manager of a grocery store, or being a president of a bank, whatever. Live for Jesus. You can be a disciple for him right where you're at. And so I want to encourage you with that this morning that Jesus loves you and he puts you where you're at and he wants to use you right where you're at. Uh, you know, I think about myself and my upbringing. I had a great upbringing. My mom and dad raised me like they should have in the fear of the Lord and living for Jesus. But, you know, when I became a, in my late teens through my early 20s to about age 22, 23, I wasn't living a good life. I was living in rebellion then I gave my life to Jesus. And when I did, I wanted more of him in my life. And when, when I truly experienced Jesus, I remember it was a night and I was in my Chevrolet Chevette <laughs> back in 1989. And that's when I called on the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. And he came in, and he saved me, he forgave me. And I knew there was a, a change in my life. There's a shift that had taken place And I felt his love. I felt his forgiveness. And from that point on, I started seeking him, living for him more and more and more. Now, I haven't been perfect since 1989, nowhere close to perfect since 1989. But I can say this. Over those years, I've seen him do amazing things in my life. And the more that I hunger and thirst after him and after his word, after his righteousness, the more I see him working in my life. That just makes me want him even more and more and more. And so as I become more mature, a stronger disciple of Christ, we never stop. We should never stop and say, okay, I've arrived. No, I haven't arrived. You haven't arrived. Just like the Apostle Paul, he says, I haven't arrived, but I'm going to keep pressing forward. And so that's what we need to do is keep pressing forward. Keep going forward in Jesus and don't let anything or anyone, any circumstance or whatever, stop you from fully living for Jesus. So how can we fully live for Jesus? Well, first of all, we can't be ashamed. Jesus tells us in Luke chapter 9, verse 26, For whosoever is ashamed of me, and my words, the Son of Man will be ashamed of him when he comes in his glory and the glory of the Father and of his holy angels. So we need to not be ashamed of Jesus. We need to live for him and let others know. Because Part of being a believer and a follower of Jesus is to proclaim his gospel. And that's. I'm not talking about everybody has to be a preacher up behind a pulpit. No, we need more Christians out in the world in jobs, homes, in schools, universities, government, living a life as a follower of Jesus and telling others about him. He says, don't be ashamed of me, because if you are, I'm going to be ashamed of you on Judgment Day. We don't want that. We don't want Jesus to be ashamed of us. When I pass from this life, I want to hear those words, well done, my good and faithful servant. I want to live for Jesus, and I pray you do too. And, you know, remember, I'm not perfect, and none of us are, right? But we also don't need to gloat on that, too, because sometimes we can just get so caught up, well, I'm just not perfect, so I can't live this way, We can live for God and live a better life each and every day. Sanctification is a process of becoming more and more like Jesus. And when I look back to when I first gave my life to the Lord back in 89, as I shared earlier, to where I'm at today in 2024, I can see that spiritual growth. And this is all boasting about Jesus and, and the work of the Holy Spirit in my life because I'm a knucklehead just like the disciples but God did miraculous work in their lives and he doing all kind of things in my life and I just praise him for it and so that's what we want to do. We want to keep growing in him and becoming more and more like him. The word says be perfect as I am perfect. Be holy as, as God is holy and we look at that verse at first and we go wow that's like impossible because who can be as holy as God but as we start digging into that and looking into it, we need to look at it this way. When you have a four-year-old, you consider that four-year-old mature when he or she is doing things that a four-year-old should be doing. And you say, well, that's a mature four-year-old. Now, if you have a 12-year-old and he or she is acting like a four-year-old, then you're saying that's not a mature child. <laughs> so that 12-year-old should be doing what a 12-year-old should be doing, and we keep progressing that way. It's the same way with our walk with Jesus, our life as a follower of Jesus. When we first come to the Lord, we really don't know much of anything except that, hey, Jesus has saved me, and that's awesome. That's, we need to know that, and that's the most important thing right there, is knowing that we have faith in Jesus as our Savior and Lord. Salvation by faith alone and Jesus alone. And from that point, we start learning more about Him by reading His Word, by praying by becoming active in a local fellowship of believers. And we learn more and more and more. And over the years, we become a more mature Christian. The things that we were doing in our lives back before we got saved and right after we got saved, we don't do that anymore. Because sanctification is a process also to get rid of those intentional sins. You know, those sins, we know they're sin, but we're going to do it anyway. You know, that's intentional sin. Those are things that Lord wants to get out of our lives. And through sanctification, becoming more and more like Him, those intentional sins do start going away. And so we want to progress step by step in becoming more and more like Jesus. And I want to talk a little bit about that this morning, and give you some encouragement this morning from the Word on how we can become more and more like Jesus, and that's by totally living for Him and becoming a disciple of Jesus Christ, because we can commit our lives to Jesus. We better commit our lives to Jesus. I'll put it that way because he's our Savior. He's our Lord. He's done everything for us to bring us back into fellowship with the Father. Why wouldn't we want to give our lives totally back to him? And so by becoming a disciple of Jesus Christ and making other disciples, then our lives become more full and we start becoming more and more like him. And the key scripture today is Matthew chapter 28, verses 18 through 20. And if any of you have been listening, For any period of time, and those who know me well know that I love this scripture right here. This is like, some people call it life verses that they find in the Bible that they apply to their lives. And the Great Commission is a life verse for me, a life scripture for me. Because it's a command from my Lord, Jesus. And he's telling me what to do right here. And he's telling you as well as a believer. Let's just read that right now. Matthew 28, verses 18 through 20. And Jesus came up and spoke to them, saying, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to follow all that I commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. So that's the Great Commission. That's command from Jesus to all of us, to all of his believers. When he shared this, he had already died and rose from the grave, and he's teaching his disciples, and this is one of the last things that he said to them. And when I think about that, I always think about if I was about to leave... What would be the last thing I wanted to say to those that I love? It would definitely be something very, very, very important and directly from my heart. And so I see Jesus telling us this. This, he's saying, I'm about to go back to heaven to my Father, but this is what I want you to do. And when we hear that and when we read that, oh, it just it pierces my heart. And the Great Commission, it's not the Great Suggestion. He's not saying, do it if you feel like it or only when it's convenient. He's saying, go and make disciples of all nations. Now, when he talks about nations, he's talking about people, people groups. We all come from a people group, and there are people groups all over the world. And unfortunately, many have still not heard the gospel, but that's what we have to do. That's why he tells us to go. We need to go and tell people about Jesus right here in our hometown, right in our community, in our state, in our region, in our country, and in other places of the world. If you're able to travel, oh, it's just awesome going wherever God leads you to tell people about Jesus. When we're looking at the, the Great Commission, many times people say, well, the main thing is to go. Well, you know, we do have to go. But when, when you start breaking down the, the Great Commission, you see that there's three participles of the Great Commission, and that's going, that's baptizing, and teaching. Now, the main verb is not going. The main verb is make disciples. So that's the, the thrust of this sentence here. That's the thrust of this great commission Jesus gives us is to make disciples. And when we read it in Greek, it was translated from Greek. It's, it's read like, as you are going, make disciples. As you are baptizing, make disciples. As you are teaching, make disciples. So the one point is to make disciples disciples by going, by baptizing, by teaching. And this great commission is for all believers, not just those of us who are pastors or evangelists, but they're for all believers. He wants us all to go and tell people. You know, think about it. If it was only up to the pastors and the evangelists, we couldn't reach too many people. It was like before I became a pastor, I needed to be telling people about Jesus because my pastor couldn't reach everybody I can reach. You know, I can't reach everybody that you, in your circle of influence, your pastor at your church can't reach everybody in your circle of influence. So you need to be telling people about Jesus and you lead somebody to the Lord. Yes, you can baptize them and you can teach them. First, we have to become a disciple. We need to learn the word of God. And I'm not talking about being a scholar, but you need to come to Jesus, start learning his word. And as you start learning his word, you're telling others about him. And again, making disciples who make disciples, that's the key right there. And so how do we grow in Jesus and become a great commission Christian? That that should be our prayer. And our goal is that Lord Jesus, I want to be a great commission Christian. I want to obey you in this great commission. And I want to tell others about you. I want to baptize others. I want to teach, disciple others. There's some tips I want to give you today, and I want to preface it by this. I had a high school basketball coach. He was my JV basketball coach, Coach Coleman. I'll never forget Coach Coleman. He was a very unique man, and he went on. He was also a football coach, and he went on to win several state championships. But in basketball, he... He would always gather us in the locker room before the game, and we, we would all say the Lord's Prayer. You know, you could do that in public schools back then, and we would all say the Lord's Prayer together. But there's one thing he would always tell us. Coach Coleman would say, guys, if you take care of the little things, the big things will take care of themselves. And what he meant by that, talking to his basketball team, is hey, if, if, if I box out my guy, and if my teammates box out their guys, we're going to get the rebound. Whether it's offensive or defensive rebounds, we're going to get it. And then we need to make a good outlet pass. We need to make a good bounce pass. We need to set good picks. We need to put a hand in the face of the shooter. You know, all those little things on the court, that adds up to the big things, and that's the win. So if we all do our parts, if we all do those small things, the big pitcher is winning. And I've never forgotten that since the – early 80s. <laughs> I'm old. And one thing that I have done also with, with, with that, uh, cause, you know, coaches are a big influence on people. Even I had a great dad, awesome dad. And he taught me many things. But whether you, you had had a father, or didn't have a father, coaches meant a lot to you. And they, they spoke a lot into your life and they speak a lot into your life. And I took the saying from Coach Coleman and applied it to my life. And applied it to my walk with Christ, uh, because if I read the Bible, and these aren't really aren't little things, but they make up the whole the whole picture of becoming more like him and getting closer to god and if I read my Bible daily, if I pray daily, if I get connected to a fellowship of believers if I serve him by serving others, you know, all these different things, then the big picture, God's taking care of the big picture. And that's, of course, salvation, eternal life with him. That's living for him right here on earth and growing closer to him. So it's important for us to do these disciplines, these different disciplines from reading, as I mentioned, reading the Bible, praying, getting connected to a good good church, a good fellowship of believers and serving Him by serving others, then we're going to grow closer to Him. We can't help but grow closer to Him. And so I want to encourage you to do that. And reading the Bible is so, 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 so important. God has given us His Word, and if you just let that sink in for a moment, Almighty God, creator of heaven and earth, loves us so much that He put His Word in writing for us. And we have it, and we can read it, we can study it, and we can learn more about him because he's revealing himself to us through his word, and we get to read about his plan of redemption for us, how much he loves us, that he wants to bring us back to him. And so we need to be in his word daily, and I want to encourage you to do that. We have to be intentional. We are creatures of habit, and it's easy to get those bad habits, but let's Drop some bad habits and pick up good habits. Reading the Bible is a good habit to get into. And some people are morning people. Some are night people. Some are middle of the day people, whatever. Whatever works best for you. Intentionally plan on, even if you have to write it down on your calendar, put it in your phone, that, hey, at this time, each day, I'm going to read the Word of God. And one great way to do that is reading through the whole Bible within a year. You, know, you pick up a Bible and you can look at it and say, man, that is one big book and there's not many pictures inside of it. How am I going to read all of that? Well, if you read it one day at a time within a year. And this year we have 366 days, so you got an extra day to do it this year. <laughs> and you can do it just a few pages a day. Uh, there's plenty of reading schedules. Some of your churches may have them. There are some Bibles. You can see a reading schedule in your Bible or the Bible app on on your smartphone has reading schedules on it. And it just shows you read these chapters today in the Old Testament, read these chapters in the New Testament. You can do it all at once. You can split them up one in the morning, one at night, but it's, it's very easy to do. And what that accomplishes is you get to read the entire word of God. Now, don't stop there and say, okay, I read it, close the book, and put it up. No, but you get a better idea of who God is and his plan of redemption through reading his scripture. Then, you know, to take time to study his word is so important. So reading it throughout the the year, but then also taking time, picking some days that I'm going to spend extra time studying this, and we need to feed ourselves. We can't just rely on our pastor. Praise God for our pastors and praise God for for, for them hearing from God and and teaching us. But if we only ate food once a week, we would be mighty hungry. And the next week before we ate again, and we continued on that schedule, eating schedule, we would become malnourished and we would die. Well, it's the same way spiritually. We can't expect to just feed our spirit one day a week. We need to feed our spirit every day, the word of God. And as we open up the word, ask the Holy Spirit to teach you. That's one of the many things that he does for us. Say, Holy Spirit, teach me now as I read your word, Father God, and help me to be a doer of your word. And we we need to be doers, as as we talked about in James uh, the past two weeks. So reading our Bibles every day is essential. We need to... If you like reading devotionals, that's a great thing to do, too. Read some devotionals, but don't let that be the only Bible study you do because that's really not a Bible study that kind of kickstarts you into reading the Bible. But become an active member in a church. Find a body of believers who's teaching the Word of God, who's making disciples. And when you do, get involved. Get involved in Bible studies. Get involved in discipleship classes, serving the body of Christ there and then also serving outside the walls. We got to get outside the walls and if if your church does be involved in that if it doesn't I encourage you to come to love in action or a ministry like ours and serve your community, showing them the love of Jesus Christ. And as we start doing those different disciplines, we start growing in Christ and we start learning more and more about him. There's some churches that have uh, small groups that meet once a week, and those are a great thing to get involved with as well. And especially if you're a new believer, I want to encourage you, don't hang out with the same people that you used to when they're going to have the temptations that would bring you down. For example, if you were a drinker or a drug user, before you came to Jesus, then don't hang out with people who do still do that. Now, you're not forgetting them. You're not saying I'm better than them. You just don't need that in your life right now because that will bring you back down so easily. So what you want to do is continue to grow in Christ and pray for them. And, again, don't look down at them, but just say, look, I, I don't do that anymore, so I, I'm not going to be hanging out uh, anymore. And, you know, some, some will make fun of you. Some will say, yeah, he or she will be back soon they'll get over this jesus thing but what will happen as you continue to live for jesus they'll they'll see that they'll say hey he never got over jesus um, maybe i need to talk to him about that because i need a change in my life too so i'm um, just encourage you don't put yourself in positions where those temptations are so strong and jesus will always as the word of god tells us he will always give us uh, a way out first uh, corinthians chapter 10 verse 13 says no temptation has overtaken you, but such as is common to man. And God is faithful, who will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you are able. But with the temptation will provide the way of escape also so that you will be able to endure it. So you're in a situation, and there's temptation there. God's going to open a, a way for you to get out and just, if you had to run, run. <laughs> Don't let the enemy, have a foothold in your new life with Jesus and just live for him and pray for, for others who are, are not living for him and pray that you can be that example in their lives that they'll say, look, I, I want what you have. Tell me about that. And, and that will happen. It, it's happened to me before. And encourage you that when you are a born-again believer, share your testimony with others. That's such a powerful way to share the gospel is through sharing your testimony and what Jesus has done in your life and serve others, as I mentioned. Acts of mercy or good works. Uh, we're not saved by that, but good works are an outflow of being saved. And we again we talked about that last week, so you can go back and listen to the Love and Action podcast. And as we mature in Christ, we grow closer to Him, we better understand how to make disciples. Every one of you who's a follower of Jesus can be a disciple, can be a strong disciple in Jesus, and can make others. And so let's become Great Commission Christians. Let's become more mature as we go through 2024. And, each, and any year we have after that, let's keep living for Jesus, growing more and more and more in Christ. Because as we do, people will see him in us. And they will want Him. And that's that should be the desire of our hearts is that God will use us to reach others, to show how much He loves them, and to tell them about Jesus and how they too can be saved. That's the gospel. That's the good news that we have to get out. So I pray that you will be intentional about becoming a great commission Christian and doing these different disciplines that I've talked about. We are out of time, and time always flies each week. I Thank you so much for joining me today, and I hope you'll join me again next week. And as you go through this week, I pray it's a great one for you, and I pray that you remember that Jesus loves you so very much. If you have any questions or comments, please feel free to reach out. Our number here at Love in Action is 334-494-4995, or you can email me at ken.tuck at loveinactionministries.com. God bless you, and may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord cause his face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you. May he lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace.